Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. We're working with a new studio here. Not a new studio, but I made some arrangements. It's di- Yeah, it's, it's different. It's different in here. So I'm wondering how that's going to sound. I mean, I did a lot of testing in here to make sure it sonically was going to stay the same, but you never know. So one thing I wouldn't mind if uh, you guys out there listening to the show, let us know how it sounds. Yeah. We're always curious here and there to see how we sound. We're trying to keep this thing sounding as Consistent. good as we can. And it's, uh, uh, it's a basement studio. So, <laughs> And I want to give a shout out to some recent emails that we've had. Uh, some people wrote us just saying, hey, longtime listener. Um, yeah, thanks. Didn't know you guys came back. Um, and so we had a really nice email from a guy who just said, hey, good job. Like, yeah. And it's nice to just uh, hear good job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nice. Yeah, it's... Seeing we don't do too much on social media, as we always say. But, we're not uh, doing too much general these days well I know. whatever it's, it's but it's nice when someone stuff. takes the time to do an old school uh email and just say hey long time yeah. listener like the show yeah we appreciate uh, we do appreciate it thank thanks you. for doing what you do like it's cool it's yeah. like it's nice to just hear from a listener from time to time so Super that cool. is awesome yeah. so let us know what you think if, how, how we're sounding here i'm uh, making yeah. some adjustments so if it sounds a little different let me know and i'm gonna correct as needed yeah and we sometimes get sent books in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, that's my like. Which is, yeah, that's like, yeah, you, she starts right? to, yeah. I just start to, to vibrate violently. And I'm popping, I'm popping um, a can of water here, so you're going to hear it. There so go. Llewellyn occasionally says, hey, we might have some people and some books coming up that might interest you for your show. Yeah. And so a couple of the books that I jumped on was Mysteries of the Aura, and I will... I will wait to reveal the next one because it will be ghostly. That's all I'll say. Mm -hmm. But Mysteries of the Aura is what we're talking about tonight. How to See, Interpret, and Work with Subtle Energies by Jean-Louis DiBiase and Patricia Boren, who is his wife. And we're just talking to Jean-Louis tonight. Super cool. Um, Super cool guy, too. He's been working with, like, in the realms of the paranormal and like subtle energies for like for a little while for a little while for, a little yeah. while, yeah. for decades yeah, for decades <laughs> so it's fascinating talking to people that have been doing this for a long time and they have like their tried and true methods and their techniques and um their own personal experiences that they put into a book to go look this is what's worked for me go try this go give it a shot yeah and that's kind of what we keyed in on with this conversation yeah. was that personal aspect yeah that you can you know, pick this book up. You can go through the many exercises that are in it. Try yeah. it. Because if you're someone that's interested in aura work or just the idea of seeing an aura, because we talk about this on the show where sometimes you might be daydreaming or kind of just blinking out and start to see a color and you actually are tapping into the aura of an inanimate object or another human or your pet. And it's not just like your eyes playing tricks on you. At least that's what I'm going to say. I know if we had like a hardened skeptic, they'd be like, well, the retinas are doing this and your corneas are doing this. Da, 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 da. You'd have some like, you know, answer yeah. from a skeptic. But it's like, uh, no, well, two for too yeah. many, for too long, for thousands of years, other religions, philosophies, beliefs have all talked about the subtle energies that surround the human being and objects. So it's like, there's some, to me, it's like, no, there's something going on. Plus, Plus, what we didn't get into um, on the show was something that happened between 1940 and 1960, finally, was the method of photographing the aura, which many of you might know as Curlian photography. Curlian photography. Curlian photography was named after its Russian inventors. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but Semyon and Valentina Curlian. And, yeah, they were working on this between 1940, 1960, um, 
and they came up with a way to show that there is an aura around something. Yeah. And I think that's super cool. And it wasn't until 1968 that a report was written by Victor Adamenko called The Biological Essence of the Curlean Effect, that their achievements were finally kind of recognized and noticed. And then they were recognized uh, with a proper award in 1974. So I find that interesting. Um, that kind of came to the U.S. with a book called Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain, which was two journalists that went to Russia when it was still the USSR and kind of looked at all the psychic work they were doing and like yeah. in their like the Russian parapsychology lab. And that was one of the things they brought back and kind of built. Uh, they were able to bring back information and we could start building Korean photography uh, stuff here. So yeah. I find that fascinating that we kind of have scientific physical proof to show that there is an aura around things. And, of course, within the pages of this book, um, you can start with just a plant. And I like the idea. I did, I, there's also the idea of looking at a plant like in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Yeah. Different weather. And seeing, like, the different things and take notes on what you see. Um, so all this stuff is in the book. So head over to Llewellyn or Amazon or wherever you buy your books and uh, support Jean-Louis and well, a couple check things this out. That, hang on. A couple things, what? though, too, I wanted to talk about also. Um, well, first off, and I'm going to get yelled at for saying this. Oh. The cats haven't been going nuts. They didn't go nuts on this show. <sighs> That's good. I know it's good, but I it's scary. I'm afraid, I'm, afraid of, I'm afraid to walk out of the studio no. here and see. I heard for, them. No. Fur all over the place. No. Rollins came in here earlier and they were well behaved. So we didn't have to we didn't have show interruptions. Well, what happened today that that made things different? I, normally I they're psychically out of their minds. willed them. I, I all right, well, that's a good tapped thing. into their maybe they're subtle getting, field. Maybe they're finally getting used to this because it just seems like they they're begging for attention when we're trying to do the show now. It's it's we love it. We think it's great, but yeah. at the same time it can be well, disruptive. Um another thing too, you won. A daddy. Oh, I want a daddy. You want a daddy. This is the cutest thing ever. So our there very is... own our Amber Rose Hammond won a daddy. <laughs> it's not a big deal, but there is a there is a really cute, cool bookstore in Lansing, Michigan, called Dead Time Stories, run by Jen Carpenter, who is a fellow author on my um, uh, uh, in History Press, who publishes my stuff. Your label, yeah, my label, my label. And she, it's it's a bookstore that focuses on true crime paranormal like those are kind of the emphasis but you can get any other book there she'll order you anything yeah. the store itself is really cool looking um just a neat independent bookstore and it's really important to support your independent bookstores so yeah she did a little award thing and uh you could get a daddy award and i my mysterious michigan took the best paranormal category so i was thrilled did. about that damn it of course it did <laughs> well i mean we're looking at Michigan paranormal, not just like general paranormal. Michigan all paranormal. paranormal. Yeah, not all. No, no. You have the greatest book of the paranormal. No, no I do not. But of all the paranormal. Um, that was very nice of her to do that. Um, it's always nice to get recognized. It was nice that there was a lot of people that kind of when I said, "Hey, I'm I'm being considered for this cute little daddy award," and they jumped out of the woodwork and said, "Yeah, I guess we actually yeah. like your book." And thanks so we'll everybody. Vote for you. Yeah, thanks everybody <laughs> who voted. We really appreciate no, it's nice. the support. It's a nice it's little cool. promotion. It's great. Outstanding. So yeah, those that's the business we wanted to get out yeah, of the way yeah. here. Now, and uh, this conversation we had was really cool. Really enjoyed it. Let me tell you all about yeah, Jean Louis. Yeah, do it. So he's an author. He's a lecturer. He's a philosopher. He has been initiated into the highest degrees of several Western traditions 
is the Grand Master of the Ordo Arnum Sol- Solis and GP of the Kabbalistic Order of the Rose Cro- Cross. Like, intense. Intense. He is also the author of Esoteric Freemasonry, which we didn't bring this up, but he's in, if you look at his Wikipedia, yeah. he's like the top Mason. What is that, Scott? You know that. Uh, what do they call Mason? it? Yeah, 30, 30, 33rd degree. I mean, yeah, there you 33rd go. degree. Yeah. Yep. And then also he's like top Mason in like France and all kinds of stuff. So you can check that out on his Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. But he is also the author of Esoteric Freemasonry and the Magical Use of Prayer Beads. Uh, we're going to link up his website so you can go over to his social media, his website. Uh, he did. He has two more books coming out. So I know we'll probably have him back on because they sound like fascinating topics. So enjoy our discussion with Jean-Louis DeBiasi. Have you ever seen an aura? Depends on how many cognacs I've had that night. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I've always been intrigued by this subject. I don't think we've ever explored it in any real depth. No, on we this haven't. Show. We haven't. You're right. And yeah. as long as the show has been around, I'm surprised we haven't had this topic on more. Mm-hmm. But when I was in college, I remember sitting there staring at my professors, and I would often kind of days out like just my eye you know your eyes you're sitting there listening you're you just kind of getting bored and then suddenly i would look at one of my professor's heads and maybe it's because they were in front of a white board or a white wall i would start to see like this aura around them particularly around their head and it would just sort of grow and change shapes and then when i would snap out of it and focus it was gone yeah and i never really thought anything out i just thought it was my eyes doing weird stuff and later, as I started learning more about auras, I learned that I was potentially maybe seeing that teacher's aura while they were doing their thing, while they were educating, because I looked up the color that I had seen, which was like a yellow golden color. And I, one of the things I had read was it was sort of like, you know, thinking, uh, I don't know, brain power. But you've never had that. You've never had that when you were in school. I think I've had a couple of situations where I do remember seeing colors of that sort, but nothing I would consider really hmm. for not, you know, right. I, like I said, I'm as psychic as well, a doorknob anyways or with any of that stuff. You so, can imagine that I was yeah. so excited to read that our guest today, Jean-Louis yeah. uh, DeBiasi, I hope I said that right, uh, wrote this great new book that yeah. Llewellyn Books passed on to us, Mysteries yeah. of the Aura, How yeah. to See, Interpret, and Work with Subtle Energies. And within the pages of this book, I read that Jean-Louis had a very similar experience to what I was talking about, looking at your instructor yeah. while they're telling you things and seeing this this auric field oh, that's, glowing around them. That's profound. So, of course, I have the book in my hand. Yeah. We have Jean-Louis on the other line. Yes. Welcome to the show, Jean-Louis. Thank you. Happy to be with you today. So when I was talking about 
when I was talking about what I just said with seeing my teachers, what I perceived it to be his aura, do you believe that's kind of one of the kind of accidental ways the average person sees the aura and they don't even realize they're looking at it? I think so. And you said something very interesting. You said I was like bored a little bit. Yep. So uh, when you are in this situation, mostly your the way to look uh, people is different. You know, you have your uh, your eyes as if you are almost sleeping or dreaming, but not exactly. And your brain waves are changing. You don't, maybe you don't know it, maybe you don't feel it really, but your brain waves is changing. And consequently, your vision is different. And at one point, you start to see something that you are not supposed to see. Um, so the fact to be born when you are, when you are with someone helps. In fact, this is strange. And I had, as you said, uh, I had exactly uh, the same experience. And uh, it was not the first experience, but when I did that, I was in the same time very surprised because the the color I saw was different from other people. Okay. And uh, after that, I discovered that it was linked to the a specific diet and uh, this guy this teacher was vegetarian and the color was brighter like golden and so on usually it was like um, um, smoke of incense something like that and i was very surprised to connect these this color this kind of energy and a specific diet it was strange but the experience and the the mood and was exactly what you said. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting. And I know I want to get into this a little later about how we relax our eyes to see the aura because I was also, there was something I was really excited also about reading in your book, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because <laughs> I want to go into your past. You have been looking into auras and esoteric traditions and all kinds of topics that we cover on this show being a paranormal themed show you've been doing it for decades and what I found so intriguing in the opening of your book was that growing up in southwest France you were one of the first people in your high school to establish basically like what did you name it you called it I think it's like a side club um, yeah, I thought that was so cool. So I have to hear a little more on what did you guys practice? What did you do? What did you study? And was it considered yeah. a little taboo or was it accepted in your school? Oh, it was totally crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I was reading uh, a lot of magazines and books about uh, psychic powers, about uh, extra, extrasensorial uh experiences and so on but in the same time i was in a school of technology so that means it was quite uh, strict uh, quite precise not like uh, uh, literature or philosophy so i said okay people are really serious doing that so we should do the same so i went to the board of the school and i said you know there are science that could be explored so uh, can you allow me to create a kind of club 
And we will experiment hypnotism, relaxation, deep relaxation, uh, out-of-body experience, powers of pyramids, everything. <laughs> and surprisingly, they accepted. <laughs> so we created that. They allowed us to have a classroom uh, like one hour from time to time. And we started to do, as I said, crazy things and fascinating. Like the first step was to test a lot of things about um, coming from hypnotism. So what you can do with hypnotism. So I was uh, experimenting. I was after that teaching hypnotism because I became quite good. <laughs> And uh, so exploring past lives through hypnotism, out-of-body experience, uh, and obviously seeing the aura, the same. So we did a lot, <laughs> and the experiences were amazing. So some people were quite afraid, but uh, it, was, it was interesting, really. We, we learned a lot. How many, how many other students joined it? Usually, they were coming a small group of between five or ten. Okay. Um, sometimes to be hypnotized, uh, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, relaxation. Out-of-body experience was... Uh, this is another book I am working on for Llewellyn. Should be released next year. Okay. Uh, and the same. It was amazing to see this that you, what you can do with that. The, as I said, I cannot find the words to say that because when you, you, you are trying to hypnotize someone, you succeed and you describe to this guy, okay, you go out of your body, cross the room, and I, I tell you what I did. Cross the room and you are now on the other side of the room. And then I go on the other side of the room with a needle and I pick like that the needle and there is nobody. And in the same time, is uh, feeling it in his physical body. Oh, wow. Even with a, a small mark of a red, a red dot. And when he, he was not, he didn't know what I was planning to do. So when you see that, you say, okay, a lot of things uh, <laughs> exist and I don't know about it. So I have to learn more. Well, in your book, you, you're constantly talking about your experiences how you document and often, you know, telling people like while you're doing this journey, start taking notes, document what you do. And you talk about kind of even measuring the aura, like how far certain layers of the aura go out. And I like that kind of information because for people out there that are a little more maybe on the sciencey side, they want uh, concrete proof that something like this exists. Like really all you can do with this kind of field sometimes is just study it like how you were write it down write your thoughts your experiences your feelings um and to me like with you, what you just explained with the hypnotism like how do you deny that to someone who just does not believe that there exists our consciousness outside of our body you know it's like something's going on yeah that's true but some people you cannot change the, the mind of some people that, no. <laughs> that's obvious but beside that this is good yes to document for your own sake, but in the same time, uh, this is good to come back on your notes after a few days, weeks, months, and uh, see your progress. You can assess what you did. Um, and this is a good way 
to understand and in the same time to control what you are doing. Uh, because I, I, really, I like to say all the time that this kind of thing should always be under control. Uh, you don't want to become someone totally delusional. Uh, you want to uh, build or to unveil a new ability. Uh, this is something you can do, you can use, but you have to master it. Uh, it should stay under control. And take notes, taking notes is helpful for that. Working with someone else is also very helpful. Either in a, in a workshop or with a friend. This is why a lot of uh, practices, you saw that in the book, yeah. are if you are single, if you are alone, or if you are uh, with someone else. In this case, you have someone and you can um, experiment, you can control, you can test. This is a good way to do it. Right. And you have that validation then, too, if something happens. It's always great when you're working in the realm of the paranormal to have a buddy, because when you sure. see or witness something or, you know, anything experience um, and someone else can kind of validate. Yep. I saw that, too. I saw that color. I felt this. Uh, then you're like, you know, I'm not so crazy after all. You know, I got, I got my true. validation. Um, and to create a kind, a kind of uh, uh, kind of control, uh, in fact. Is, uh, yeah. If you suppose someone, you ask someone to visualize a color red around you and you are trying to see the aura, if what you see is blue, there is an issue somewhere. And so you have to work a little bit more. <laughs> right. The, yeah. So I want to get into Auras 101. And because we haven't talked about this topic a lot on the show, to, we're going we're gonna to just pretend that a lot of our listeners are familiar with the aura. They, they know what it is. They might associate like, oh, maybe I have a red aura. Maybe I have a purple aura. But beyond that, there's probably a lot of people that don't know all the details that are in your book. Can you explain to the layperson what the aura is, what it's made of? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, very easy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can give you the name of a good book for that. <laughs> 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 and we will see. But yes, uh, but to understand, I like to explain that in a very, very simple way. Uh, and the very simple way is to say that there is a physical world in which we live, we can touch things, we can see people, and uh, this is obvious, there is no doubt about it. And for a very long time, in almost all civilizations, they say there is another world that you cannot see, that is a spiritual world or an, or an invisible world. And this one, you have to be trained to see it or be a psychic or be a, uh, a holy man, a shaman, and mm -hmm. so on. And this one uh, exists. This is not open to everyone, but it exists. And what it is? Uh, exactly. Um, this is a kind of energy that is supposed to be around you. And uh, this energy gives to your physical body life coming from your breath, coming from the universe, coming from plants, rocks, everything around you. And this strong energy is sometimes visible. 
uh, as if you have a magnet, for example, you, you place a piece of paper on the magnet and some pieces of metal, and you will see the piece of metal are moving and showing a, a specific shape uh, linked to the magnet. And this is almost the same for us. Our body uh, has this aura, this beautiful light around us, but there are several layers and there is a layer very close to the physical body. And there are other layers, more, more spiritual, I can say, uh, higher energies, higher uh, energy waves. And this is obviously more difficult to see. But the first layers, and you exactly described what, you, what we can see, are um, accessible if you feel if you uh, if you do this kind of training very easy from the start to the end you will see that after a couple of days or weeks you start to see something even if you don't know at the beginning and you can e even see without seeing that means this is what I am talking about uh, we are talking about at the beginning of the book you can see, for example, the position of someone talking to someone else. And they keep a specific distance between them. And this distance can be seen as a, um, the consequence of the aura, something uh, that is unknown, but you keep this, this distance. And if you play with this distance, you play with the aura, in fact. So there are ways to... Um, uh, to yes to see without seeing in fact right right and and i like you know and to kind of i like that analogy of that energy we all know that there's energies out there that we can't see but we know they exist you know electricity magnet magnetism exactly. all of exactly. that and using that analogy of taking you know, those radioactive isotopes you know well oh sure Sure. I mean, at sure. One, there was a time not only 30, 40 years ago where it was not really that well understood. And they and they thought, I mean, it was understood, but... You're talking the, about radioactive isotopes? Well, yeah, well, the, the, the layman didn't, they didn't, if it, it was invisible. Yeah. It, well, it can't hurt you if it's invisible. If you don't see right. it, it can't possibly hurt you. Right. To the layman, right? So that's just one example, too. Yeah. But it's very much, it very much exists and it very much can affect you oh, when yeah. you're exposed to it. It's right? dangerous. Yeah, it's an energy like anything else is. So... Just yes. knowing that those things are out there um, and how you can interact with them and work with them. I remember as a kid sometimes doing this um, exercise where you would, when you were talking about standing next to someone, where you would rub your hands really fast and then the other person would do the same thing and you would start to slowly bring your hands together and you would start to feel that person's, I can't describe it as like a static electricity, but you'd start to feel that energy coming off of that person. And sure. I, again, I don't even know if that's just like, I mean, I assume that there's ways you we're talking about seeing the aura with our eyes and our inner eye, but there's, yeah, are there can, ways that you can feel, yeah, feel, it. feel yeah. the aura? Yeah. 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 yeah this is a, a, a yes. We, we are talking about that um, in the last part of the book, but you are right. This is very important to do that and to experiment. Maybe this is, uh, not very easy, but if you use that a lot, becomes more accurate. And the way to do it is very close to what you said, that you can use your right or left hand, doesn't matter, 
and you ask to someone to close his eyes and you are in front of him, for example, or her, and you go with your hand closer and closer and closer to the physical body. At, a, at one point, you will feel like um, pressure, like you are pushing on a balloon, something like that. Mm -hmm. And you can continue until you are at one or two inches of the physical body. And you will feel, you will feel the different layers like that. But the same for the subject, he will feel or she will feel something more and more. And that what is strange, sometimes this is not related to the to the position. You can be at two inches, for example, and the feeling is very low and being one foot and you feel very strong, the energy. Uh, this is just because the layers of energy are not reacting in the same way. But uh, this energy can be used for healing, for uh, giving more, uh, increasing the health of someone. You have a lot of application. So the vision, and the, this is really important, seeing the aura is just one way to work with the energy. It gives you the same kind of ability saying you can be uh, uh, someone who is totally blind, but if you can see, this is quite better. Right. Uh, uh, exactly the same here. You can play with the energy, but in the same time, if you can see it, this is even better. <sighs> so this is not uh, it's not just the vision, but this is the um, what you can do with the, the aura and these energy that surrounds you. So not just the way to see but the way to see is very useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as someone out, if you, if there's a listener out there, that's just like, Oh, I could never see, I don't feel this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm no good at this. Another thing that is brought up in the book is the, is talking about earth's energy. There mm -hmm. are a lot of listeners out there that might be going, I'll, I could never see the aura. This isn't for me. Da 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 da. But I guarantee that they have been somewhere, whether it's a national park a forest anywhere that they find peace or find beautiful in their state wherever they live and they get a certain feeling from it a certain emotion and uh, uh, they get charged from it energized and I know that there's these places all over the planet I mean you have ley lines that you just kind of have these special areas obviously there's places of the planet where you feel more negativity sometimes i like this term in your book because i had never heard it before geobiology yeah. i really like that and just kind of i don't know there's something really cool about that but just outdoor locations they have their own level of energy so that's another thing if you're like you know if you can't you can't see it with your eyes someone out there has definitely felt and absorbed that our earth energy the planet we live on yeah, first thing you cannot see because you didn't read the book yet. After that, you will see. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but geobiology, that you know, and that that term, it speaks so many things to me. It makes me think of so many things, and it goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. There's there are so many energies on this planet that yeah, you can't see, you can't smell, you can't taste, you can't touch, but they're definitely there, and they can affect you, and. You know, we always say we, we talk about that a lot here is the idea of these energies like we're, we were talking about auras and stuff like that, where you can't 
I mean, yeah, you can. We're talking about the, the visual aspect of it mainly here, but I do believe that you know maybe I'm a bit more perceptive to the actual like just uh, I don't know what you call it the perceptive aura where it's the energy. Mm-hmm. You know, argument somebody somebody's got. Uh, somebody's got good energy. Somebody's got bad. Energy. We, oh yeah, like everyone's we, done that. Like, like we, have a fr- we have a friend, our, our friend yeah. that starts with a G, who's just the, he's got this energy about him that it's kind of addictive. I like being around yeah. him because he's really fun to. He's a really fun guy to talk to, but he's got an energy about him that I feel that I can't really you feel explain. really positive. Yeah, you, you know, and, and he asks you questions that make you think and kind of makes you feel better. And the and the here's thing. the thing. Here's the thing because yeah. Jean um, Jean Louis brings this up in the book. Yeah. Um, Jean-Louis, you mentioned that you follow the Mediterranean diet. Yes. And, but at one point you did, you were a vegetarian for 10 years and that you were mentioning earlier that your teacher was a vegetarian, had a certain way about his diet and was emitting this energy. Now, our friend that we're talking about is vegan. And yeah, it, yeah, it just made me right. think of this because I had it written Nobody's in my notes. Perfect. Yeah, and <laughs> he does. He, I feel like he has this just giant ball of like, I don't even know what color, but like just fantastic energy that can oddly and like, like envelope you in it. <laughs> like you just yeah. kind of like his aura bumps into your aura. Like he's got like a blanket. Can, mm. If someone, if someone's aura could be a blanket, yeah. <laughs> maybe that that's his. But I thought about this is something I've thought about. So in in your book, you mentioned that when animals are slaughtered violently, a physical reaction occurs in the meat, and the fear and stress the animal feels at the time of their death can affect that meat can affect us as we consume it and while I am a meat eater I've always kind of had that weird thought in my head like I I sometimes feel bad because of course I love animals but then you smell like a steak cooking and you're like whoa (laughs) I mean I it's like this horrible dichotomy that you know some of us are in where you're like ah but there's that also seeking out ethically sourced meat that's you know, cruelty-free, like cage-free, you know, like yeah. maybe that helps. But I just I, – I know I know that there's ethically sourced meat production. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I know. really, I mean, you're still – Yeah. I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate for a I second know. here. There, I, I know <laughs> there's the, – you can, you can only paint it so many different colors. It's still the same color. It's red. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, but I do understand, Amber. I just yeah, I, but it, did, it it made me think about that when when yeah. I read this in in Mysteries of the Aura, and then yeah, you talking about our friend and him being vegan, and that yeah, I I just I'm, now I'm gonna notice all of my friends and family that are maybe vegetarian or vegan and sort of see what their try energy to, is yeah like. try to more pick up on their subtle energy, and I <laughs> I mean I should eat less. I don't I'm not, I don't eat a ton of meat, but um you know I had fish today. I guess that's not the worst, but um. I don't know, but can can you talk a bit on that, um, Jean Louis, when it comes to yeah. our etheric field and our diet and well being? Yeah, yes, because um, as you said, I have been vegetarian for several years, a lot long uh, <laughs> years, and after I went uh, to Mediterranean diet, which is, I guess, according. Uh, uh, according the health in America, this is a more balanced diet, but this is a diet of uh, finding the best uh, diet for you and finding the best balance balance for you. But what is interesting to know that, yes, in the Mediterranean world, 
vegetarianism was uh, really practiced by some groups like Pythagoreans or other initiatory groups. But in the same time, uh, we have to keep in mind that all animals are not the same. That means uh, some animals have a kind of consciousness, individual consciousness, and others are, have um, a consciousness for the group, if you want. Mm. So you can see that seeing if I eat meat in a specific way, and if I choose carefully how the meat has been raised or the animal has been raised and so on, is there a possibility for me doing that to help the animal to evolve? So this is a different way to see it. I am not destructive. I am helping not a soul, not yet a soul, but a kind of uh, animal spirit to evolve because I do that respectfully. Mm. I assimilate that. I understand. I bless the animal that has been killed for my pleasure, in fact. In fact, not just that, but at least. And through this kind of transformation, almost alchemical, I can help these animals to evolve in their um, destiny, we can say, almost. Mm. Uh, so this is not just I am bad against animals, but another way, if I change my mind, if I know how to work with energies, I can help them to evolve to another level. And you already do a difference uh, very easily between, uh, let's say, a cow uh, or a cat. Uh, the, you will not do the same thing. Right. You already feel that this is different. Yeah. Uh, you, you know from inside that this is different. And that means you can have a real active role doing something as long as you are aware of it and you know how to work with the energy. In this case, you can have a Mediterranean diet, enjoy your, uh, your steak <laughs> and saying, and in the same time, I am useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I understand that. And it's kind of, you know, you think well, back it, to like Native American well, practices the, the, yeah, too well, and always yeah, the, thanking. Well, yeah, the honor of yeah, the hunter. honoring it. Um, sure. And sure. I, that's what I think about with this whole thing is just that it is, and it, that is that energy I think you're talking about is yes. these yes. people knew that they needed, you know, it still happens today. There, there are people out there that have these same beliefs. They practice these same beliefs. Oh yeah. Uh, they survive off the land. They just don't run down to Aldi or Trader Joe's well, no. and get their food like we do. Uh, <laughs> They, you know, they, they do practice this and there is that spiritual, you know, element of, it, I think, and that's, that ties right in with what you're saying, John Louis, is, um, you, you transfer that energy, you know, when you do have to make that kill, you try to do, you try to do that with the right spirit and the right energy and, you know, imprint that upon the animal and the land around it that, you know, thank you, respect, thank you so much. And again, I, there, I'm, I'm scraping the tip of the iceberg on that i know but i think there is that honor element we're talking about not again not just going to your local supermarket oh for sure getting a couple of steaks and throwing them on the grill <laughs> that's where i think the issue is and i but even doing that you can have a specific state of mind and saying okay i didn't control everything but at least i can try to connect 
with this animal yeah. and okay. uh, give my best. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. Oh. Yes. It'll make me feel uh, better about it next time I have a steak. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes a few seconds. Yeah. And I can assure you if you do that, few seconds, nobody notices anything, but you will feel different in your flesh, really. And your energy will be different. Yeah. Because instead of doing that and being guilty, you will feel that you are useful and the energy around you will be brighter or stronger. And in this case, because there is no conflict, there is just a transformation of something, alchemical transformation of right. something. Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of gratitude. It's a, and I think that's a good word for it, if you, you know, to put in this, this context. For what you're saying, when you do sit down with that steak that you bought from Trader Joe's, <laughs> you, you do have that gratitude and, you know, and, and feel, you know, feel blessed, I guess, I would say, that you're able to, you know, to take these, take it, take in this meat, right, to nourish your body. Yes. Um, I think that really would change, that, that makes the whole thing, it does make you, it does change your mind. I think it makes you feel better about it. I know I do that just, not, I'm not perfect by any means, but I know I do that just naturally. I, I think about, the way we, the way the world's running right now, and the fact that I can still have a steak every once in a while, I, I think I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty lucky here. Well, yeah, <laughs> I feel pretty good about this because stuff's sure. kind of expensive now. You didn't have to go out and kill your steak. No, I didn't have to do that you either. Know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I love talking about history, and I know we don't have to go too deep into this, but I find it fascinating that uh, some of the, I know. All of there's been many Eastern traditions that have obviously talked about the subtle body, energies, auras. Um, you have words like prana, chi. Uh, but then I I wonder if I don't know if you can speak on this. But when you had C. W. Ledbetter and Annie Besant and the Theosophy Society, and you had what was her what was their book? Uh, Thought forms, I think. And this mm -hmm. is written in the uh, 19th century. Was it the Theosophy Society that kind of brought our Western way of looking at aura work? Was it those two that kind of brought it brought it to our attention the way we look at it now? I'm not so sure, but the way to uh, to name the different layers, the name, the, the the way to classified and so on. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, they were very, very uh, precise. Ledbetter, for example, was very good. Besant, Annie Besant also. They were very good to classify, to explain the different layers, to find the uh, all the steps, the chakras, and so on. Uh, so yes, we are uh, linked to that. But if you go deeper you can see that in every cultures and Mediterranean ones, for example, they have their own way to, to see things and to name uh, the, the aura. For example, we are talking about uh, Egyptian tradition, about Kabbalistic tradition, and as you said, the Eastern tradition with the chakra and what we do in yoga, for example. Uh, and what was strange to me when I when I was going deeper and deeper in this understanding was to say, but we are, when we are talking about our physical body, there is just one way to describe it. 
just one way to see it. If you break your finger, there is just one finger you break, and this is very easy to understand for everyone. But if we have an aura, if we have an energy surrounding us, why they are describing that differently? Why this is sometimes quite identical, sometimes very different in Egypt, Kabbalah, or Eastern tradition? It, this is not logic. It was not logical for me to, to see uh, if this thing exists, it should be the same. And in fact, no. Um, and what we are trying to explain in the book with my wife is to say that this kind of energy, in fact, that we call aura that surrounds you, is in a way shaped by your beliefs, by your culture. And there are layers that are all the same for everyone on the planet. But other layers, like uh, the astral aura, for example, uh, or mental, uh, to use these uh, names, they are changing according to what you believe in and the kind of uh, spiritual practice you do. Uh, and this is weird. This is like uh, uh, the energy we were talking about. Um, this energy can change, really. The color can be changed by your beliefs. The shape can be changed by your beliefs and practices and so on. And consequently, this kind of thing will change your way to see the world and will change your way to react uh, with other people. So this is going in two directions. You build something around you and after that, without being aware of it, and after that, this kind of specific aura um, will affect you without your, uh, your, without knowing it. Uh, so as soon as you are aware of it, you do a step forward to more freedom. So the point to feel it and to see it is to understand what can affect you without your uh, understanding or your knowledge. So this is a real strange thing and in the same time fascinating. And your aura, so if you have, if your aura, if a, if a layer of it is affected, affected negatively, can that directly affect your health? Yes, yes, really. And you were talking about uh, ley lines and mm -hmm. geobiology and so on. Suppose uh, I invite you to go in a place uh, outside and outdoor and uh, to sit on a bad energy uh, location. Uh, your aura will change dramatic dramatically, uh, really. Um, you, the color will be affected, your, and consequently, your health could be affected. Uh, at the opposite, you go to a national park close to a fall and, so, uh, and you breathe, you learn how to breathe, practice pranayama and so on, and you will increase your energy. And increasing your energy, your health will increase. Uh, so the fact to, to be able to feel everything like that, uh, to feel the energy, of the land, of rocks, of animals, 
uh, is really important. You will choose like that carefully the place. You will learn how to 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 feel more accurately uh, what you are doing. Yeah. Uh, and this is why we start saying you should first learn how to see around on the vegetation, on trees, on rocks. Then you go to the individuals and so on. But uh, nature around us is really a good teacher. And we are supposed to go outdoor to feel better yes and this is a way to increase our power when i am hiking this is exactly what is happening you breathe good air mm -hmm. and your energy increase really i think it's one of the healthiest things and i you know 20 something years ago when i was still in school and getting my life together i prided myself on being a complete hermit i don't know why i used to think that was the coolest <laughs> thing like oh i never you know, sometimes when you're in, you know, when you're in college, you do buckle down and spend some time just studying. And I did that. I remember I would spend, I would spend days at a time in my apartment and it's like three days, four days, I wouldn't leave my apartment because I was in the middle of a big study cram or something like that. Right. But I used to pride myself on being a complete hermit, never going outside. And now, you know, and I guess it's a matter of age. Uh, I'm the complete opposite. As soon as the, the weather, like here in Michigan, the weather I hope I'm not jinxing us by Don't. saying this. The weather's starting to get a little bit better. <laughs> it's <laughs> starting to get a little warmer. Um, so the first thing I want to do is get outside. I want to, you know, when I exercise, I mean, I don't want to go to the gym. I want to do something outside. So I find something to do outside so I can take the sun in. Or, yeah, hiking, going, doing things like that. Anything to get outside. Ride your bicycle. Breathe the fresh air. And, man. It, I can't tell people enough, and I hate to sound preachy, but I tell this to my friends all the time. Like, get outside and just take a walk or something. Move your body. <laughs> do something. Take it in the air. You will be amazed by how well you're going to you feel afterwards. It always makes me feel better. Sorry. I'll get off the <laughs> mic drop. And, uh, <laughs> but it's true. I'm not wrong. And not, not just uh, with the breathing. Um, there are texts I found from the almost 18th century in France, I started to translate these texts and they are very interesting because they are talking about energy mm -hmm. and they are talking about the skin and the contact of your skin with the air, huh. with the, the elements yeah. and saying if you go outdoor, I'm not talking about uh, uh, very low temperature, but if you can go outdoor and uh, Using less uh, clothes, um, allowing the air to touch your skin, the, the sun touching your skin, even if you protect, of, of course. Yeah. But every the connection and the increase of energy will be, um, you will notice that very, very fast. Oh, yeah. So the breathing is important, but the contact with the skin, with nature, is also very important, really. You well, can see that if you go uh, swimming uh, in the sea, uh, you, you feel it, that the energy is different after. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's what I, in our last uh, segment here on the show, I want to talk about learning to see and work with the aura. Because in your book, you state the ability to see the aura is completely natural. Starting this training does not require any specific spiritual development. And I like that sentence because... I think some people think like they need to do all this deep meditative work or 
um, be part of some religion or something to sometimes get involved in this type of work and you don't. Like you can just start with these exercises that are in your book and you mentioned starting with things like minerals, plants, uh, inanimate objects. And what I mentioned at the beginning of the show, which got me super excited, any person out there that is that grew up in the 80s or 90s in the United States will remember the Magic Eye books. And the Magic Eye books were these awesome things that we checked out of our public libraries all the time. And you would open them up and it would look just like a mess of weird pattern. And then you would kind of let your eyes glaze over. <laughs> Scott, you remember these, right? Yeah. And then you would start to see this 3D shape. That would form. And it, it was just the first time I looked at one, it was the trippiest thing. But you mentioned this in your book in New State in the 1980s, computer generated illustrations called auto stereograms became yep. popular. And I was like, oh, my gosh, while we were little kids looking at magic eye books, little mm -hmm. did we know we were training our eyes to look at the aura. <laughs> Maybe that's why, like, sometimes I would look out at, like, I don't know, my teachers or friends and actually see stuff around them. I don't know. But I thought that was really cool. And I know a lot of listeners will kind of connect with that because they'll be very familiar with that process of letting your eyes do that kind of, um, I think, uh, I don't know if you call it stereo focus. Um, that's correct. Stereo is vision. Yes. Okay. Stereo vision. So for a beginner, what is the easiest way to start? sitting back and looking at the aura what what would be like your go-to exercise for for the person doing this for the first time uh, this is exactly what you what you said about uh, the magic eye books really uh, the way to to place your eyes are really the same so suppose you have in front of you a tree a bush or a rock anyway you you are looking uh, or a statue. I like to do that with a statue, for example. I have a, a, st a goddess statue beside me. Mm -hmm. So this is good because uh, 12 inches, something like that, you can see all the, the shape of the statue. And you place your eyes exactly in the same way. That means parallel. You are not looking, focusing on the statue itself. Your, your eyes are going far away behind the statue. And you try to keep this kind of parallel vision, stereo vision, at an, and at one point, you will see what you described at the beginning of the show, this kind of mist or um, uh, color around the statue or the rock. And if you focus on it, it vanishes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Disappears. So you have to keep this vision uh, and in the same time you keep it, but this is strange. You, you keep this vision far away, but with something else located in your forehead, you start to be more and more precise on what you see. And this is exactly the way the third eye, what you, you can call the third eye, is starting to be activated. Uh, so uh, this, this is a way to use it without trying, as you said, to create something spiritual and so on. This is just an ex a different experience of focusing on something. 
So you look at something without <laughs> focusing on it. Yeah. And your focus will come from your forehead. Uh, and you feel it because you try to keep this terror vision and you start to feel a kind of pressure in your forehead. And the point as, at this moment is to relax. And you, when you relax, you will start to see few different colors, rays, and so on. Not something very uh, fancy or crazy, but it will be a start, really. And uh, your third eye is activated progressively doing that. And you go from this experience to the other and so on. But this is important to start with the simplest experience, simplest work, like and exciting anyway, to look on uh, trees, uh, even far away from the window. You, if you can see a tree with the blue sky around and you focus uh, in the same way, and you will see this kind of uh, energy around. Uh, so this is the first way. After that, you will learn to do the same without using the physical eyes. This is interesting too. Uh, but this is another step. The first step and the easiest one. Is, uh, this is the easiest one. Yeah. I couldn't help but think, because on this show, we often talk about ghosts and haunted places and things like that. And obviously, the concept of a cursed object or a haunted object, uh, something that just uh, an antique, something that just gives someone the creeps when they pick it up. And you mm -hmm. mentioned in exercise four in, in chapter six, uh, the etheric bodies of objects and minerals. And I have to I have to read this quote. Everything around you has an etheric body and even sometimes an aura. Any object has a memory a kind of recording of everything that has happened to this object. And it made me think about that very thing. When you get people that are bothered by a doll that their great grandma owned, or they don't like something or something brings them great joy and they can't get rid of it, never want to part with it. And uh, maybe a toy from their youth or just anything that you pick up um, and has kind of this good vibe to it. Um, I, but again, like the whole aspect of subtle energies, uh, different layers of energy, the aura, being even part of our inanimate object world is so intriguing to me. Yeah, exactly. Yes, because when you see the aura or when you feel the aura, when you learn to do that when you want, uh, you are able to read uh, the memory of things, the memory of objects. Uh, you can do the same for people, obviously, with their uh, permission. Uh, but you can really access uh, what the energy uh, carries or what the energy uh, contains. This is uh, really interesting. But the consequence also is that you can manipulate this energy. And you, you said uh, something uh, gives you power, um, strength, other or not. But that if you control it, you can clean this object. Right. You can um, do whatever you want, but you can learn from it. And you can release bad energy from something. The, and from a place, because this is the same for a place. You are talking about ghosts. Uh, but ghosts are kind of uh, spirits who are still in a 
in a location, but the location itself can be very powerful in a good way or a bad way, yeah. depending where it has been built or depending who lived there, what happened, and so on. So if you feel that, if you can see it, um, you can interact with it. And this is what is fascinating. This, as I said, you are not blind anymore. You can see what is happening. Yeah. So if you can see what is happening, you can act and you can do something. This is a good thing. Right. <laughs> really. And that, that brings me to kind of one of my last questions. Uh, you have been practicing this, practicing this for so long. Do you, the longer, the more you practice it, I assume the easier it is to sort of tap into someone's aura, to see it. When you're just walking down the street or meeting someone, can you see their aura very quickly or do you have to sort of still take your time and and kind of, you know, let your eyes do their thing to see it? No, you, if you, let's talk about me. If I want to do it, it takes one second. Wow. Uh, this is uh, immediate, but in the same time, I don't do it. Right. Uh, be, just because, and if I am correct, I speak about that in the last part of the book. Uh, if you can see almost everything from someone, you don't do it because they, uh, you respect this privacy. Yeah. So you do that if they ask for that, if they need you, if they need your support, your help. In this case, yes, you can do it, of course, but not like being intrusive and trying to see everything unless, unless this uh, individual um, is not behaving in a good way. Right. So in this case, you, 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 this is better to know uh, what is happening, why you can have uh, like signals. Uh, but most of the time, you have the ability, you, the first thing you do, you learn to not use it without permission. Well, I thought about that. Like we meet people sometimes that we don't. Like, I know I've met people over the course of my life that for whatever reason, I just don't like them. There's something about them. I, they either give me the creeps or I just don't want to be around them. And I often think, like, that would be a more, like, an interesting dimension to looking at someone as, like, just that, that just, I don't know, that warning to other humans. Like, if you kind of tuned into, like, why don't I like this person? Um, sure. And, tune like, tuning into their aura, if, like, if, if you let yourself look at that and just seeing something in there like that just verifies that feeling like oh and and I don't know what that something would be like I were if we're talking like oh a serial killer out there Jeffrey Dahmer or someone who's <laughs> you know what would his aura look like if I looked at it would it just be like insane black colors weird like okay run from that guy now I don't know <laughs> but I've, have but you ever case, yeah that's true but you can just say Okay, my, my signal will be run when I feel that. Yeah, I there you go. Yeah, yeah. I don't need. I don't really need to stop and analyze the aura, but it would be it would be interesting because I have met people too that I really really like, and they turn out to be duds. And it'd be kind of like if you could get that like uh, I don't know that warning signal with an extra little help. I don't know. I kind of think about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just interesting what we can learn to perceive about our fellow human beings. 
And I think anybody that picks up this book, Mysteries of the Aura, How to See, Interpret, and Work with Subtle Energies by Jean-Louis DeBiase and his wife, Patricia Boren, they'll pick this up and they will get a what I call a no-fluff book on learning everything about the aura from uh, good history basic to other traditions that have worked with this to endless uh, uh, I can't talk <coughs> endless exercises to go over and work with and you don't need a team of scientists and experts to do it with you you can do it on your own you can do it with a partner you can do it with your plant your cat your hand um, all these things to get you seeing the aura. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned the hand. Scott just gave me a goofy look. Uh, but I mentioned the hand because that's one of the first steps that um, Jean-Louis mentions. Like once you start looking at inanimate objects, going to minerals, going to plants, then start yeah. looking at your hand yeah. and the aura around your hand and trying to see that subtle energy around then the human form. Um, but – Thank you so much, Jean-Louis, for taking the time yes, thank to you so speak much. with us about this vast topic. I know, like, this is a show still, that we could talk. We scraped it. For six, scraped yeah, a, barely scraped, yeah, like, the top. barrel. Like, we could talk for days on mm-hmm, end about mm-hmm. this. But, but we're hoping. get you guys going on it. Yeah, we're hoping that cool. people get out there, grab this book, um, start practicing the mysteries of the aura, and hopefully um, start to see some cool stuff on their own. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Ghostly Talk!